0: Good evening. I'm Ken's and I'm Alexis. Welcome to Spectral. Welcome to our Halloween episode. i just went (laughs) to be (laughs) creepy (laughs) i thought i thought you whispered malachi also malachi do you know what that is
1: i know that it's spelled like it should be pronounced malachi and that's how i thought it was spelled what pronounced
0: that's amazing i didn't know that it's from children of the corn you
1: know i've seen part of that movie but then it freaked me out so i just stopped i was alone watching it
0: yeah you should watch it again like as an older adult,
1: Shh, can we watch it together?
0: Yeah, it's not nearly as scary as an adult because it, it also scared me as a kid. But
1: I wasn't a kid though, I was 19.
0: Okay, yeah, that, that's <laughs> a little I saw it when I was like nine and, and was kind of scared. Well, we've been gearing up for our annual Halloween party. It's a rager, always. Um, sure, yeah, a rager. There's not like a ton of people, at least a hundred. Like... Okay um We have our menu planned. Finally, that's true. It took us a long time this did. year.
1: It's hard. I know. i want everything to be like brains and fingers. That's sh- and that's hard to make. And guts.
0: Yeah, I know that is hard to make. We won't have any of those actually. We'll have f- no, you're no right. we won't. Yeah. I was
1: thinking fingers, but they're mummies.
0: Yeah. Well, we'll post some pics of the food though. Maybe if it's no, we beautiful. will. Oh, we okay. will. What if it's ugly? Th- we'll still post the pics.
1: I think the dessert will be nice. Oh, like looking. Yeah
0: i'm making the dessert i'm helping okay (laughs) (laughs) um my costume is coming about 22 hours before the party starts which is stressing me out because we're matching not matching we're matching we're complimentary oh we have to talk about what we've been watching goosebumps that's true goosebumps it's on hulu and disney plus i love it if you read goosebumps as a kid or watched any of the show or even if like you don't have a lot of experience with it i would still watch it
1: it's amazing it's so fun
0: yeah and it's meant for like late teens i guess maybe young adult but it's still so interesting yeah and it's scary but not like super scary if you don't yeah it's like pg-13 scary for sure yeah so if you're in for like a little bit of a scare definitely watch that if you're in for a mini spook yeah a semi spook a spook Okay, you're done. That was weird. And if you're in for an actual scare. <laughs> a giant spook. You need to watch Fall of the House of Usher. That's incredible. On Netflix. It's a
1: masterpiece.
0: It's a Mike Flanagan show. Um, if you don't know what that is. He's bald. Okay. And he's a star. <laughs> All right. He is the writer, producer. I want to say both. But he has the shows like uh, Bly Manor. Hill House. Midnight Club. Midnight Mass. And Midnight Club. It's Midnight Library, isn't it? No, it's Midnight Club. Oh, really? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, you're right. Midnight Club, right? Yeah. Midnight Club. The Midnight Club. The Midnight Club. And Midnight Mass. And now, Fall of the House of Usher, which of course is based off of the Edgar Allan Poe. I thought it was a biopic about Usher. You know what? Have I been
1: misreading it?
0: You know what? Maybe I'm the one that's wrong.
1: Probably. I haven't noticed any references to Poe.
0: Yeah. And weirdly That's... enough, Usher is actually not in it at all. Yeah, but his songs are. Yeah, um, I cannot think of a single Usher song right now. I almost did... got us falling in love. That's true. <laughs> okay, so, oh, and if anyone's into the full moon this Saturday, the twenty eighth is the Hunter's Moon.
1: If you're not into the moon, you're doing something wrong. That's true. We need the moon. We need her.
0: We do need.
1: We do need her. <laughs> we need her.
0: So, charge your crystals. Perform any rituals.
1: Sacrifice someone.
0: Nope, don't do that. (laughs) Don't condone that. Don't suggest it. Do what you want. Okay. You're in charge.
1: Do what you want as long as it doesn't hurt someone else. So find a willing participant and sacrifice them.
0: Okay. So, nope. Ignore what she said. Uh, (laughs) All right. So today's bad advice. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) So to start tonight's episode off, I'm going to set the scene. So, saddle in with me.
1: I'm fucking saddled. (laughs) Okay, my seatbelt's on, I'm ready.
0: Seatbelt's on, saddled in. You wave over your shoulder, brushing off your friend's attempt to drive you home. Nodding again at their request to text them when you're back safe. The walk home is less than a mile, and you'd rather enjoy the fresh autumn air. The sun has just set, and the sky is fading from its warm glow into shades of blue. There are gusts of fresh, cold wind lifting up leaves and swirling them back to the ground. You draw in a deep breath pull your jacket a little closer to you as the wind picks up. A quiet hum can be heard as the lights lazily click on. You're looking forward to a warm cup of tea, coffee, cider, whatever brings you comfort, and a calm night on the couch. You're pulled from your thoughts when you notice a faint thumping. You can't place the noise exactly as the wind carries the sound from every direction then you see something in the distance it looks like someone on horseback you look to your right at the few houses residing on the street lights on but no one else is outside you look back to the figure and they stand unmoving just as you realize the thumping is the sound of hooves first trotting then galloping on pavement it's getting louder but you can't pull your gaze away from the figure in the distance, while your brain tries to make sense of what it's seeing. There is a horse, yes, but something is strange about its rider. You can't make out their facial features or see any details above their chest. You can tell it's wearing a black hat, maybe a hooded cloak. Whatever it is, it's partially obscuring its face. But as you blink and it moves closer their face remains a blur of inky strands wriggling around, as if the darkness itself is alive. You snap out of your focused trance and see the horse charging you head-on. You go to run, but you're no longer only a few steps from the occupied homes. You somehow got turned around while watching the figure stalking you. In fact, you didn't even realize just how close to the woods you had drifted. You shift into fight-or-flight mode and look for the nearest place of shelter. You spin in circles, scanning your surroundings, As the horse draws closer, desperate for a way to put space between you and whatever that is, you take off towards the tree line on your left. You throw one more glance back at the figure as you cross into the threshold of the forest. It almost vibrates with giddiness as it rides ever faster towards you. Trying to focus on the winding path in front of you, you dodge gnarled roots and large rocks, but the distinct sound of thundering hooves is getting louder and louder, fighting to breathe in the continuously chilling air, sprinting full force. As you duck under branches and skip over uneven ground, thick fog begins to pool around your feet. It looks as if it is rising in blankets from the earth itself. The forest begins to fall silent around you, the crickets stop chirping, and the owl's call can no longer be heard. The heavy step of hooves on loose dirt and ragged breathing has filled the space around you. You can feel the horse and its rider gaining quickly on you, your own heartbeat roaring in your ears. As the fog thickens, you can just make out the little bridge in front of you. The bridge leads to hollowed ground, and you're only paces away. You force your legs to move faster, ignoring the burning in your lungs. Only a few more steps, when a sharp whinny pierces the air right behind you. You whip your head around to see the wild eyes of a black horse and the bottom half of its rider. Your eyes trail up their boots, to the edge of their cloak, up their chest, when you feel yourself falling to the forest floor. A twisted root caught your right foot as you watch the figure on the horse race past you onto the bridge with a final cry that sounds neither human nor beast. And then, nothing. No more pounding hooves could be heard, and the fog begins to thin. You pull yourself back up, following the hoof imprints to the bridge cautiously, when you see it at the other end, on the last wooden plank. A pumpkin cracked in half, and not a single other track beyond the bridge. The faceless horseman has vanished. The story of the headless horseman has been a classic American Halloween tale since the publication of The Legend of Sleepy Hollow by Washington Irving in 1820. The short story was one of a collection of 34 essays and similar in length tales published in Irving's The Sketchbook of Joffrey Crayon Gent. That is right. I don't know why it's called that, but it is. I love it. Irving set this story in the very real town of Sleepy Hollow, New York. Before I summarize the classic tale and its impacts, let's talk about the history of Sleepy Hollow. Have you been to Sleepy Hollow? I haven't, and um, I'm going to tell you how close we've both been in a minute. So the village of Sleepy Hollow is located on the eastern bank of the Hudson River, about 25 miles from Manhattan. If you ever drive over the Mario Cuomo Bridge, formerly known as the Tappan Zee... Tappan Zee! Tappan Zee! I just love that bridge. It is. I know. it's, It's such a good bridge.
1: It's a really nice bridge.
0: Anyway, if you've driven over that, you've been within a few miles of Sleepy Hollow.
1: Cool, cool, cool. Now we know. Now we know next time we have to stop.
0: Yeah, I, I was like a sore spot for me, considering I've driven over that bridge half a dozen times in the past couple of years yeah. and never knew. Um, but we will be making a detour next time. The land of what is now the quaint but bustling village of Sleepy Hollow was first recorded as belonging to the Wekwazik or the Mohican tribe since at least 1609 when it was first recorded, but likely before then. So kind of depending where you look, Mm -hmm. some will say it was like a branch of the Wekwajik tribe or it was the Mohican tribe. um, But we know that it was occupied by Native Americans. It then became inhabited by Dutch settlers when New York was still considered New Netherlands. It should have stayed New Netherlands, honestly. It should have. I mean, it makes sense. Dutch New Netherlands. I, I mean, I love it. It should have been. But for a while, the Native people and Dutch settlers lived in harmony.
1: Oh, that's so nice. I didn't know that.
0: Yeah, I mean, it lasted about 35 years. That, that's about your lifetime. Okay, Um, until around 1643, when fighting broke out and yep. many native people were forced okay. to move. Okay,
1: yep, that's, I was going to say, that's much more on brand. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that makes sense.
0: We don't know the exact timeline of when European settlers came, but by 1664, the British seized the colony of New Netherlands, because of course they did.
1: Just in time for 1666
0: wow that's so true Mm -hmm. and that's when they renamed it from new netherlands to new york sleepy hollow remained agrarian
1: what does that mean
0: it just means it basically means it's an agriculture um like center
1: that makes sense so like
0: farmlands those
1: words relate okay
0: yeah Yeah, it's um basically it was not like a big manufacturing town Mm -hmm. it was mainly farms fields that kind of cows probably cows pigs i'm sure i love it okay i love it oh, i love it i love cows i love it even more all right <laughs> but besides all of its large farms and you know rolling fields there was a thriving dutch church that kind of became the hub of local life there like people would travel from Terrytown, which we'll talk about in a second right next door tea town town <laughs> and other local areas um Just to attend like events, mass, everything that was kind of held at this church. Its population contained a mix of European immigrants, freed slaves, and native people that lent to its diversity all the way up until modern day. So it's considered, um, I mean, most of the settlers there were, like I said, Dutch. You had German settlers, Swiss, and even some French. And then all the mix of native people, slaves that then became freed slaves. It really was this like mecca of culture.
1: Sounds like the cuisine would be interesting,
0: you know it probably would be i I don't know, but it's it's super cool that this like small little area, not that far from you know Manhattan mm-hmm. is its own little hub of culture, yeah, yeah, it's super cool, um even though the village is technically only two square miles, it's kind of like the town center, yeah, it's still only home to about ten thousand people today, that's bigger than your town, no, it's like around the same, mm. Mm-hmm. but it gets tens of thousands of visitors every year in the fall soon to be us honestly some years they even report um a million about a hundred thousand okay i was off i I did not read the room (laughs) um and the people of sleepy Hollow have really leaned into their history how could you not it's so cool and for a while the town had a different name it kind of cycled through names but in 1996, they actually voted back to call the village Sleepy Hollow.
1: That's when I was born. I am the same age of Sleepy Hollow.
0: That's, that's true. Well, I mean, it kind of was there and then disappeared and then came back. But I am the same age. And the name Sleepy Hollow was derived from Dutch French influences, like all of the towns along the Potomac River as a sleep haven. But in the native language which I'm not going to try to pronounce because it's very hard. And I looked it up and it was very hard. Um, but basically, Sleep Haven in the native language kind of morphed slowly into Sleepy Hollow, which is,
1: is nice. And spooky. Spookier and spooky. than Sleep Haven. Yeah. Just makes me want to nap.
0: Yeah, right? It's like I just want to lay yeah. on the riverbanks and go to sleep. Uh, most often, Sleepy Hollow is lumped together with Tarrytown. Or is you so it? At- T-Town? Yep. <laughs> I was just waiting for it. <laughs> That was mid-stretch. As they share school districts, many local government services, and cultural roots for the most part. But in the relation to our tale, it's where Washington Irving resided both for some time as a teenager. He would go hunting and walk the, the woods and things like that. And he did that. He was sent away to live with a family friend at around 15 years old to escape the yellow fever epidemic in larger New York cities in 1798.
1: My first thought was that he was a bad kid, but then you said he had a fever <laughs> his family so. was
0: like get out <laughs> instead his family was like survive yeah he was one i believe of 12 kids he was the youngest that's 12. too many kids i mean not all, too many kids. not all of them made it to adulthood okay. well, now i feel bad <laughs> yeah i mean remember people had that many kids because a lot of them did not make it that's sad yeah, I think it was eight or nine of them that made it. So, That's I mean, still too many. Okay, <laughs> she's back to her original stance. Too many kids.
1: Confirmed. Too many kids.
0: But even as a teenager, he was really into writing and knew he loved like everything literature and culture. And his older siblings actually all supported him in it. That's nice. I know it. It, it is really nice. Sibling love. Okay. <laughs> So yeah, he spent some time in Terrytown, right next door to Sleepy Hollow and visiting Sleepy Hollow in 1798, um, which would be the inspiration later on for his tale. But he also ended up buying a Riverside estate in 1835. Bitch, where'd he get that money? Oh, just wait. So he bought the estate and it's it's a beautiful... We're going to post a picture on our Instagram. It's beautiful. Um, For $1,800... Are you
1: fucking kidding me?
0: No, listen, it gets worse. Because I was like, all right, $1,800 in 1835, that has to be, a, you know, millions today. Yeah. Nope. It is the equivalent of $63,000 today. Wow. So imagine if you could buy a full estate, land gardens, all of that for
1: $63,000. I imagine that all the time.
0: Yeah. So, and it's beautiful. Um, he lived there in his little Tarrytown home until passing away um, in 1859 from a heart attack. That's sad. Yeah, but he lived, I think what's his 70s. That's a long time for them. Yeah, he that yeah, oh definitely. So he really did have like a really rich and fulfilling life. You can still visit this historic home and surrounding gardens on and this is this is the streets on. West Sunnyside Lane. Wow. Or take a Sleepy Hollow Terrytown tour. They have them all to like combined because they are tongue twister. I know. They are so close. So um and visit many of the hotspots. Let's do it. I mean, yeah, I want to. Let's go right now.
1: We'll be there by noon. Okay.
0: (laughs) We'll be there by oh yeah, by the way, um we are recording at eight AM.
1: Good morning, America.
0: Okay. (laughs) Don't sue us. Yeah, Alexis woke up um at about six AM Wound for sound.
1: Wound for sound.
0: Ready to take on the day. Me and the cats, bro. And was very annoying. Uh, Very annoying. I sang
1: her a beautiful good morning song. (laughs) How'd that go? I'm not gonna do it now. It's not the morning.
0: It's 8 a.m. Well, all right. Anyway, um, have you ever read the story of Sleepy yellow New legend of Sleepy Yellow? No. Have you ever watched any of the movies? There's more than one. Yes. There's Mm, many. No. Okay. All right. Cool. Um, how many is many? Six. You know, I was gonna say at least six. Wow. But because the story has been around for so long. It was published in 1820. So we're looking at over 200 years.
1: That's how old you are.
0: Okay. (laughs) (laughs) You're such a dick. But there have been a lot of iterations of since basically the beginning of film.
1: I thought you were going to say the beginning of time. (laughs) The beginning of time. Beginning of film. 1820. (laughs)
0: 1820. (laughs) That was when your time began. Anything before that doesn't matter. That was
1: pre-McKendall.
0: Okay. (laughs) you done? (laughs) So for anyone that has never read the short story like Alexis, or it's been a while, essentially here's what happens. The narrator begins with a tale that took place 30 years earlier in 1790. He introduced Ichabod Crane, described as a lanky, conventionally unattractive scarecrow of a man with limbs that hung loosely from his body. That's me. No, he's like tall too. I am tall. No, you're not. Okay. Okay. You know what? Sure. Thank you. He was originally a schoolmaster from Connecticut that moved to Sleepy Hollow. He is our flawed protagonist that you're not quite sure you want to root for, as he has a very inflated sense of self, as, as you'll hear.
1: That sounds more like
0: me. Well, you know what? Maybe you are. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> he gets worse, though, so there are definitely elements that we'll talk about. Okay. Though he is past his prime not particularly attractive, me, and so poor he lives with a different student's family every week uh, because he cannot afford a room to rent. And he works as a schoolmaster, but, you know, teachers were underpaid even then. Yeah. Um, he still thinks he's better than everyone else. <laughs> <laughs> like, Naturally. Like unattractive, older, poor, all that. Ichabod believes he's much more sophisticated than the locals and considers himself well-educated, Though he believes all manners of superstitions, magic, and has a, this is you, and has a deep fear of the dark. Oh my god, that is me. He boasts about spending all his time with the older sisters and mothers of the children he teaches while living at their home and thinks all the women who don't respond positively to his flirtations are just shy.
1: Not me. It ends there. Yeah,
0: I was like, you might not want to compare yourself too much.
1: Yeah, I'm good now. Sorry, yeah, Icky. you might
0: Yeah, you might not want to compare yourself too much to him.
1: Yeah, Ichabod's giving me the ick.
0: Yeah, I call him Icky later on.
1: I like that. That's a good nickname.
0: Yeah, because Ichabod's just kind of long. Icky Crane. Icky Crane. Icky C. All right, well, <laughs> he is uh, basically the walking depiction of zero self-awareness. Anyway, he comes across our next character, Katrina Van Tassel. She is the only child of a very successful farmer and is set to inherit his entire fortune. Hell yeah, I get it. And Katrina is very beautiful and obviously considered a prize to be won by many of the single men in Sleepy Hollow.
1: Like Jasmine and Aladdin.
0: That's true. But unlike Jasmine, who is like, I am not a prize to be won, Katrina is described as like a little more flirtatious and is like, yes, boys, I am a prize to be won. Give me your best.
1: She's got some spice. She's on in it. She knows what she wants. Yeah. She
0: knows what she's worth.
1: Oh, Yeah. We love Katrina. We love an empowered lady.
0: Yeah. Ichabod sees her and immediately wants to court her, envisioning, which this is like fucked, envisioning how he'd slaughter and eat all of the animals on her dad's farm and force Katrina to move wherever he wanted. That's so fucked up. Like the first thing you imagine is like, oh, these cute little animals. I'm going to kill them all. Bacon and steak. No. The problem was that she was already being courted by local hunky farm boy, Abraham Van Brunt. Known fondly by the locals as Brom Bones.
1: Brom Bones. Wow.
0: Brom Bones. He is essentially Ichabod's foil in that everything Brom Bones is, Ichabod is not.
1: So he's hot, and a little younger. Dumb.
0: Yeah, kind of. Okay. He's he's described as like clever, but he's not definitely like conventionally smart.
1: He's straight smart. Yeah. Not
0: Mark. For example, Crane takes himself very seriously and demands respect, even when he hasn't really earned it. While Brom is well liked among the villagers and is known for his sense of humor, particularly as a prankster. He's not well read and can be crass, but is successfully and properly courting Katrina when Ichabod takes interest in her.
1: He's a gym helper.
0: Kind of. I would say even a little more like gruff, almost like jim's personality and like roy's body if you're fans of the office if you're not that means nothing to you but google it google it. <laughs> <laughs> that's so rude <laughs> um ichabod however instead of courting miss van tassel properly for the 1790s time period he is sneaky and offers her private singing lessons so he can be alone with her twice a week and away from the eyes of her parents can he even sing So he thinks he can really well. okay. Like they say at church every Sunday, he like makes a big show singing really loud. Yeah. He's not described as a bad singer, but like mediocre at best. But he just has such like an inflated sense of ego. Yeah. That he's like, I can give singing lessons.
1: I can teach this.
0: Yeah, exactly. But this is kind of considered disrespectful at the time as being alone with Katrina without her parents there puts her reputation at risk.
1: Like in Bridgerton,
0: I was, and my next line is that is important later. But if you've watched or read Bridgerton, <laughs> you know that an unmarried woman's value was very dependent on that she had a pure reputation. Yeah. Brahm is angered by Ichabod's courting of Katrina, especially the improper way he's doing it, and begins pranking Ichy Boy repeatedly. <laughs> Just fist fight him. I feel like Ichabod would get broken in half perfect and also that's why i said like it's kind of when you were like jim halpert's personality in roy's body jim wouldn't fist fight so he doesn't fist fight dwight that's fair he pranks him like it's very similar some of the pranks he does is he like flips all the furniture upside down in ichabod's classroom even when ichabod starts like rigging kind of like these diy alarm systems for you know what it is in 1790 like very easily Brahm would just disable it. Like it's he's very like clever in that way. So he's kinda trying to send a message to Crane to back off, but in a way that's not violent.
1: Yeah. Not fist fighting.
0: Yeah, not fist fighting, or like a duel at this point. Ooh, a duel would be spicy. It you know, it would be spicy. But Ichabod stays steadfast in his courting and the story culminates with Katrina inviting the whole town to a harvest festival. So we assume this is obviously right around Halloween, typically. Mm-hmm. After all the dancing and merriment, the locals sit around the fire telling stories from the recent Revolutionary War, which eventually morphed into telling ghost stories. Ichabod takes special interest in the story of the Headless Hessian or the Headless Horseman. We'll talk about why it's called the Headless Hessian um, like later when we talk about where it's derived from, because it is pretty important as to why it kind of stuck around so long.
1: Yeah, and I've never heard that word before in my life.
0: Yeah, it has a very significant connection. Mm-hmm. Many locals have claimed to see the Headless Horseman, or Hessian, wandering the woods at night. Bram jokes that he once raced the Headless Horseman and would have won if he didn't always vanish once he starts to cross the bridge between the forest trails and the church. The party winds down and Ichabod stays behind to offer Katrina a marriage proposal.
1: That was fast.
0: Yeah, he moves fast. He does. She presumably turns him down. We don't get, like, exactly what's said in the story. Mm-hmm. But he starts his midnight ride back home, sad, dejected, um, and alone.
1: had <laughs> to throw that in there?
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, sad and dejected are kind of the same, but I feel like that really drives home the point.
1: He's of, got his horse. How upset!
0: It's not even his horse. Okay. Um, he borrowed it because he's because he's poor. That's true. Also, this is not relevant at all to the story. But Bram Bones' horse, his name is Daredevil. That's such a cool name. right? Like I was like, okay, he's so cool. I kind of, and like Bram Bones isn't really like the villain of the story. He's definitely the antagonist, but you kind of want to root for him. He's my hero. He's he's my hero. (laughs) (laughs) But as he's, you know, riding the horse through the woods and thinking about the ghost stories of earlier in the evening, he starts to get spooked from all the noises he hears in the woods. This would be you as well
1: i would not be in the woods at night okay i would not do that you
0: know what that's true you just avoid the whole situation exactly as he begins to get unsettled he comes across another rider up ahead so he's walking the opposite way on the same trail which is kind of odd because the town is all in the same direction Mm -hmm. so it's kind of weird that someone's walking the other way
1: yeah where are you going
0: he pulls his horse over to the side to let the rider pass because it's kind of narrow But as he gets closer, Ichabod is horrified to see the rider doesn't have a head. Well, an attached one anyway. Oh. He claims to have seen a severed head on the rider's saddle. Like, just hanging out. Icky takes off and a chase ensues. The spectral figure is gaining on him when he sees the church bridge just up ahead. He believes he's safe as his horse approaches the bridge, but jokes on him because the the horseman yeets his severed head had Ichabod oh. <laughs> knocking him off the horse. Wow,
1: that's a strong eat.
0: I know. The narrator then goes on to tell us that Ichabod was never seen again by the people of Sleepy Hollow. And when they went searching for him, all they found was Ichabod's hat and a smashed pumpkin. Brom goes on to marry Katrina, and the narrator ends with giving us some life lessons. It's very heavily implied that Ichabod was not actually sucked into whatever reality the Headless Horseman lives in, but instead still lives today. And even more, the headless horseman was actually probably most likely Mr. Brombones, playing yet another prank on Ichabod in a final attempt to chase him away from Katrina.
1: And it worked.
0: Ichabod, being the easily frightened man that he was, kind of let his imagination run wild, believing what was a pumpkin to be a severed head. Um, and he was so embarrassed and ashamed that he skipped town and didn't come back.
1: I get that. I would do that too.
0: Yeah, and what's kind of interesting, I guess, is that Irving purposely leads the ending up to some kind of interpretation so that, like, technically you could believe in the Headless Horseman. Which I do. I mean, it's it's a cool figure. But he kind of ends with the presumption that Bram Bones himself is telling the story. Wow. Yeah. That'd be cool. And it's, in the you know, in the short's tale, it's said that whenever... The villagers would talk about, you know, the famous disappearance of Ichabod Crane. Mm -hmm. Whenever they would mention finding the smashed pumpkin, Bram Bones would laugh like really loudly like he knew something. So that's all you kind of know. And it goes on where another villager swears that they've seen Ichabod in Manhattan. Because remember, it's only like 25 miles away. Yeah. And he's like a writer, doctor, painter, judge, like all of those things combined. Oh, okay. Like very over the top. Yeah. You know? And as we're getting this, presumably, Bram Bones is telling the story. You don't know who it is, but it's mentioned that there is kind of an unamused, tall, old gentleman in the room, kind of, you know, disagreeing with what Bram's is saying. Not like actively, but looks annoyed. Yeah. So people kind of presume that that's actually a kabod. That's icky. 30 years later. Icky in the city. Icky Icky in the city. Find it on SoundCloud. So even though the ending of the tale essentially debunks the ghost of the Headless Horseman, how did the tale become a staple of early American folklore and live on for over 200 years? Well, we can thank the creative mind of Washington Irving and his multiple Celtic influences in his life which most historians believe acted as the source for our American version of the Headless Horseman. And let me tell you, the Celt version that our figure is presumably derived from is so much scarier and so badass.
1: I am not surprised in any way. It is. They know what they're doing.
0: Like, honestly, it might be one of my new favorite monsters.
1: Besides Mothman?
0: Besides Mothman, which you know I love. I do. I know. He's another American monster. But this Celt version is so cool. So this badass cousin is found mostly in Irish folklore, but sometimes Scotland and Wales as well. It's what's known as a doulahan. There are two different versions of the Headless Horseman's Celtic cousin. In the more traditional version, the doulahan doesn't actually kill you, but it may whip out your eyes. The sighting of a doulahan is similar to hearing a banshee scream and that it's an omen of death or serious misfortune for you or someone you love. Is it
1: misfortune besides getting your eyes
0: taken out um so it's like serious suffering
1: that is serious. that could suffering.
0: be in the form of your eyes being gouged out
1: oh okay so it's not guaranteed your eyes will be gouged. That, out. yeah that's right okay. so
0: sometimes you might just see it and it kind of leaves you alone but no thank you it's just like hey someone you know or you will die soon other times it gives you a little treat it leaves you with a little gift of being blind
1: a little gift of not having eyes
0: that's right or someone else like or someone that you love, like a tragic accident might happen that takes their eyes.
1: Hey, no eyes, just saving on
0: eye insurance. That they definitely had the eighteen hundreds.
1: <laughs> I forgot about that part.
0: <laughs> definitely that eye insurance. Um they can be male or female, which is cool. Inclusive, yes. Yeah. Are always headless. Okay. <laughs> and typically ride a headless horse as well. Unlike the American version. Where our headless horseman is shown with a pumpkin or jack-o'-lantern in place of its head, the Celtic version carries their head with them. They're either gripping their severed head with one hand while riding, have it mounted somewhere on its horse's saddle, or it just kind of floats nearby their body, like perpetually. That's the
1: most convenient one, honestly. Right?
0: Hands free. Yeah. Don't have to worry about it falling. Yeah. It's just there, hanging out. And here's where they get extra metal. They carry a long whip. Made of human spines.
1: What else could it be made of but spines? That makes the most sense. I
0: know. And it like it when they when you see like images of it, like oh. animation or uh-huh. even like drawings do a pretty good job. You can see like the different vertebrae and how oh this, my god. Yeah, and how like the whip moves as if it is a spine. It's so cool.
1: Yeah, it can't be a femur. Can't get that kind of movement with a femur.
0: Well oh, no. femurs are used. Oh, okay. Because in other versions, the headless horses are pulling a death carriage, which contain a headless driver with headless passengers on cartwheels made of human femurs. And the whole carriage is lighted by glowing skulls.
1: That part's pretty cool.
0: I mean, I think all of it's so cool. Are you kidding? Okay, well, I don't want to see a lot of headless things, but the skull part is cool. Yeah, I mean, the headless horses, like we'll, we'll post a picture of it i would like to it's it, they're cool though i mean it's not like gory because it's all just it's just drawings but it's so cool they can also ride in packs of other Dulahan or in the company of banshees fey witches so like, just like a gang of other creatures yeah, yeah so that you could see them by themselves or they could be in a pack or yeah with other celtic creatures basically
1: like wolves Lone wolf? Uh,
0: Pack of wolves. Okay, yeah. I thought you meant like they could be seen with wolves. And I was (laughs) like, not really. That'd be cool. No. I mean, yeah, it would be. It would be cool. But think of the wolves from like Beauty and the Beast. Scary. Yeah, that's true. And Frozen. Mm Hmm. That's true again. But yeah, not not here. Mm -mm, Not here. Not here. here. And they sometimes can be like kind of cheeky. And Will, like in Sleepy Hollow, try to race people just for fun race for pinks yeah um i don't think people had pink slips for their horses yeah they
1: just had deeds yeah
0: also this is like an undead creature it's only wants its horse that it rides that's headless i don't think it wants to take your horse anyway um (laughs) it also they could be spotted playing games like essentially bowling with their own head so they seem like a great time to me like so much fun
1: Wow. I'm imagining them playing like sharks and minnows or like Red Rover, Red Rover, dodgeball.
0: (laughs) What the heck? Yeah. (laughs) So in Celtic culture, they represent death itself. So that's why they're not like out to kill you directly. They might cause some suffering, but they're never going to kill you, but they are like a sign of misfortune to come. Yeah. So neither like good nor bad, almost, but just death personified ambivalent death yeah um you're typically at the most risk of spotting a Dulahan when you're out late partaking in particularly sinful or lustful behavior do your sins
1: at home everyone exactly it's, it's
0: basically supposed to scare you into staying home with your parents if you're unmarried or your spouse if you're married instead of out getting into trouble which is another similarity we see when ichabod is chased by our headless horsemen after weeks of improperly courting and proposing to Katrina Van Tassel. Similar way, he was punished for lustful behavior at the time. Now, the reason it is believed Irving was inspired by the Doolahan was because of his exposure to Celtic heritage. His parents were English and Scottish, he had a Scottish nanny, he traveled all around Europe and what's now the UK, was very close to Scottish writer Sir Walter Scott, um, and he was also a lover of European and Celtic literature, and was most likely exposed to poems like Tam O'Shanter and The Wild Huntsman, which both feature supernatural horse chases. Irving then took that background and very much Americanized A Haunted Horseman to make it scarier for his targeted American audience. We get this from making the location a real town in America and giving our spooky figure a Hessian background. So if you remember, I mentioned that term before, the headless Hessian. Um, So a Hessian was the name of the german essentially mercenaries that the british hired to fight on their behalf during the revolutionary war because you know great britain didn't have a ton of allies when it was fighting like we had france no. on our side yes we did so they started hiring out people vive uh, la france and the hessian so the german soldiers were known for being particularly violent and brutal <laughs> during battle so they're, they're very much feared i'm not surprised yeah yeah i was like very fitting Um, And in the legend of Sleepy Hollow, the villagers believe the Headless Horseman is a deceased Hessian soldier that lost his head to a cannonball during an unnamed battle in the Revolutionary War.
1: Why specifically a cannonball?
0: I think because they were like, what else could take off a head? A sword. Yes. You know what? Fair. I don't know why. Then it would be maybe because it's not like a clean cut. Ew. I know that's gross, but I have no idea. (laughs) Mm -hmm. But yeah, that's like kind of just like the lore. that yeah. If you read, like I said, if you read the short story, it'll tell you that. But And it's more
1: badass being beheaded by a cannonball right, than say, anything else. Yeah,
0: especially if you're supposed to be like this like gruesome, violent. Yeah. And like it is kind of hard unless you're also riding horseback to behead someone on horseback, you know. But then the soldier rides around seeking revenge on the American enemies. When Irving published the story in 1820, the Revolutionary War was still an unhealed wound for many Americans who lost family members, were displaced, or had a complete change of their way of life. A vengeful German soldier working for the British was much scarier to many Americans of this time than a harbinger of death that the Dullahan represented. Washington Irving was an interesting man with accolades such as being the father of the short story, and he's considered the first American author. Wow. yeah, because he was born in 1783. America was just barely a country. That's true. And he became quite successful quite young. So, yeah, he's considered the first American author. Um, The
1: daddy of the short story and American lit. Papa. (laughs) So fast. You were just ready to say, papa. I was.
0: um, And he's also a romantic, which captures my heart. He was engaged to Matilda Hoffman in 1808 when he was 25 years old. Oh, Tilly. Tilly, yeah. Unfortunately, she passed away from tuberculosis right before they could be wed. That's why you get vexed. Okay. Oh. <laughs> the vaccination of TB <laughs> in 1808. He was so devastated that he couldn't even utter her name for years. But he wrote to a friend um, in one of his letters that even though he couldn't speak about her or say her name, that he dreamt of her every single night and he never had, like, another relationship again.
1: I wonder how he would feel about Matilda the movie, Matilda the play, and Matilda the Harry Styles song. Okay. um, You know, I don't know. I bet his ghost
0: is happy. They're probably happy together.
1: They're probably listening to the song in heaven. You know what? I, that's really sweet. Yeah, I hope so. I knew that you'd think that that But, that but was like, sweet. imagine
0: being 25 years old and you lose the love of your life and you... Like our so like he lived until the 70s, like that long.
1: That's devastating.
0: I know. Um, and this is how this is how far he was dead. Like this is- shows how much he was dedicated to her. There was one particularly famous woman that paid him a ton of attention and outright like told him of her affection. Who? And he rebuffed her. Our own lovely um Mary Shelley. What? Yeah. Yeah. Cause think about how similar they like they're writing, yeah,
1: wow. She had,
0: yeah, she like wrote. So they had like similar friends, obviously, because they're both writers and are into similar spooky kinds of things.
1: Wow. Yeah, you are doing something right, if Mary, do you Mary Shelley is pursuing, pursuing you. you. Yeah, yeah.
0: And he was like nice about it, but he turned her down because he was that still so sad. in love with Matilda. Yeah. Um. So kind of to wrap us up, the legend of Sleepy Hollow and the Headless Horseman have lived on for over two hundred years. And I've had many, many adaptions over the years, with most well-known depictions being Disney's 1949 Adventures of Ichabod and Mr. Toad, 1996 Scooby-Doo's Headless Horseman Halloween. I did not know there was a Scooby-Doo. Yeah, 1996. And Tim Burton's 1999 film Sleepy Hollow, featuring Johnny Depp, Christopher Walken, and Christina Ritchie. Um, Our Headless friend was also a reoccurring guest among the villains in the Mickey Mouse Clubhouse. (laughs) kicks off the current booty you parade in magic kingdom around halloween
1: and it's so fucking cool
0: it is a cool parade it's
1: such a cool parade
0: you know they were gonna make a ride that was featured about the headless horseman that would be incredible i know and i mean we have obviously mr toad's wild ride that's Mm -hmm. it was in both parks now it's just in disneyland but they were gonna make one like that was what ended up happening but originally the focus was just gonna be on like the headless horseman and ichabod crane and that story which is so cool And my personal favorite of appearances is he makes a short appearance in Shrek 2 in the Poison Apple as a drinking, like he's drinking in the Poison Apple. And Shrek 3, (laughs) he tries to help Prince Charming behead Shrek.
1: That's not cool. Shrek's a good guy. Yeah, but,
0: you know, he's good in the end. So
1: So in the Disney movie and in the Scooby-Doo movie, it wasn't named Sleepy Hollow yet, right?
0: well it remember it had the history of that and then they, they got rid of it for a while yeah and then by 1996 is when they voted it back so i guess by the time scooby-doo came out i don't know the exact like release date to yeah. see when they lined up but but yeah i mean mr toad's wild ride yeah it wasn't or the ichabod crane and mr toad it wasn't sleepy hollow yet that's just crazy to yeah. think about yeah i mean it once was right and yeah then it was gone and then came back but thank you for listening Follow us on Instagram and threads, right? Yeah, yeah. The Spectral Pod. Incredible content, may I just say. (laughs) Um, Send us a Gmail if you have a story or want to say hello at spectralpod at gmail.com. And we hope you keep listening. We do. And as always, good night, sleep tight, and uh, keep your head about you this Halloween.
1: Keep your head all the time.
0: Keep Halloween, not Halloween. Keep Don't head.
1: lose it. Sacrifice to the moon.
0: Yeah, so like for example... Cran... Cran...
1: <laughs> Cranberry.
0: Cranberry. <laughs> <laughs> Why did they... The wild cranberries. <laughs> the expeditions of the wild cranberries. <laughs> All right. Uh, first... <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> slipped down.